Inspired by hip-hop and the faith culture, the sanctuary in my solitude, the thoughts, feelings, and life lessons of an imperfect Christian by Anthony Kisik is beautifulfeathentertainment.com's work in print. It is a book of poetry and it's available through iUniverse.com, Amazon.com, beautifulfeetentertainment.com, and the links are also available in our social media and podcast. So please consider The Sanctuary of My Solitude if you're looking for a next great read. Thank you so much. This is the Beautiful Feet Podcast. A partnership with BeautifulFeetEntertainment.com. Follow us on social media at Beautiful Feet Entertainment and enjoy the show. Welcome to the Beautiful Feet Podcast. My name is Anthony. And I'm Jessica. And over this whole month, we've been talking about... Anger. Anger. Um, would you mind giving us a brief summary of the last, what, two weeks at this point? So, we have looked at emotions through a biblical lens, and that's basically, in layman's terms, hey, what does the Bible say about things that we feel, encounter, and have to deal with on a daily basis? And for January, we looked at the emotion of joy. For February, we've looked at feeling that emotion of anger. And the first thing that we learned was that it's okay to be angry. However, how you react to what it is that is upsetting you, like the scripture says to be angry and sin not. So that is basically God acknowledging the fact that yes, we are going to have times where we get upset. And there's moments where righteous anger is supposed to happen like if you see social injustice or something else that is going to be equally upsetting it's okay to allow yourself to be angry at that um sorry i totally just lost my train of thought okay so (laughs) we've looked at that and last week we hinted about that we were gonna talk about sassy pants Jesus. Mm -hmm. Um, So for the past two weeks, I believe our primary examples really have come from the Old Testament, if I'm correct. But for this week, we're going to be taking a look at some examples from the New Testament. Well, and what we also did, right? The first two weeks, we really focused on like us and our anger, right? Like as humans. But we're going to flip the script this time around and we're going to look at uh, five times that Jesus became angry while he was preaching the gospel. Um, And just as a reference, we are looking into an article uh, from BibleStudyTools.com. The link will be in the description. Um, But the five uh, five moments that we're talking about come from this article uh we're not going to go over each scripture that it references uh but we are going to tell you the scripture so that you can go ahead and read it for yourself and and really look into it 
Um, this this article was written by Mark Moore. Um, he's actually one of the pastors at a, the church that we go to. Um, so that was actually pretty cool. Um, and he's actually written books and like study, um, like Bible study type of um, material as well. So I would definitely look up the article and just enjoy that. Um, so how about we do this? Do you want to read each each um, moment and then we'll talk about it? Yeah, we can definitely do that. All right, so number one. Prioritizing religious ritual over human need. Now this, as a quick summary, this is the story of um, where it was the Sabbath. Jesus was actually um, in the synagogue. He was worshiping. But he had met a man with a with a shriveled hand. Um, now tradition has said that because it's the Sabbath, he was not allowed to heal that hand. Um, but he went ahead and did it anyway. And basically, when all the religious leaders were very upset with him and and, and angry at him, he kind of flipped it around and he asked them, "Which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil?" To save a life or to kill? Um, what are your thoughts on this story? And by the way, this story comes from the book of Mark, chapter 3, verses 4. Well, I think it's important, again, for us to understand the context with which this story is taking place. Now, for Orthodox Jews, and again, for probably Jews in Jesus' day as well, the Sabbath, or their day of rest, was something that they took very seriously. So they would do a lot to prepare in advance so that they would not have to engage in any sort of activity that would be considered working on their Sabbath because, again, the Bible had commanded them to have that Sabbath day and keep it holy because it is for the Lord their God. Mm -hmm. So that was a way for them to show their devotion to God. But we've seen other instances where like King David and his men were hungry so they ate the showbread from the table in the tabernacle. I believe it temple. was the tabernacle, yeah. For this particular instance, again, Jesus is in what we would think of as like a church service so it says that he's worshiping so his intention is i'm here to connect to god during this time but he doesn't get upset with the man for being like would you heal me yeah his anger the thing that is upsetting him is the reaction of well why are you healing on the Sabbath? Like, mm -hmm. this is our day of rest. Why are you engaging in this activity? Well, and I feel like it's really one of those things where um, it's almost like, okay, you see someone in need and you go, I'm going to help them. I'm going to kind of go out of my way. I'm going to help them. Um, and then people of leadership looking at you going, how and why are you helping them? It's against our customs. Um, and Jesus is like, Jesus's love for people at this time is showing, 
um, deeply and he's like hey I have compassion for those that are suffering those that are hurting I'm gonna help them even on the Sabbath because that is the right thing to do well and it, it kind of makes me think of when my parents were growing up they actually had a lot of stores and businesses that were closed on Sundays and now there is this like hey Sunday is still a day of business like I traditionally work a lot of Sundays like in the afternoon and into the evening um, but I know that there are a lot of people again who might say whether your Sabbath day is Friday Saturday or Sunday they can say oh I don't want to work during this time it's not that Jesus was like hey I don't want to work but again this context is he's worshiping mm -hmm. like he totally could have been well within his rights to be like okay mister like come back tomorrow and we'll talk but we don't see him dismissing this person and I think you're gonna see this in almost every single um, instance that we talk about today it's Jesus putting people above rituals or tradition um, you, let's go ahead and jump to number two number two says in quotations let the little children come to me so this is that uh, you'll find this in Mark chapter 10 verses 14 to 17 um, basically it's, it's Jesus preaching he's teaching the crowds are like starting to really crowd around him so his disciples are really forced to kind of uh, crowd control right like they're not pushing people away but they're like just trying to keep the crowd under control well in the midst of this these children try to approach Jesus um, and they basically kind of get pushed away Right? Just like the rest of the crowd, Jesus becomes very frustrated with this. Um, and basically, he, he start, this is where you get that scripture where it says, you know, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to, to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will not enter it. So he's looking at these children um, really from the standpoint of like these children who, are, who have faith, who have a faith in many cases that is greater than the, the faith of the adults because children have a natural faith of like, I don't know what's going on in the world around me. I'm going to put my trust in the people around me and in God. Um, but what he saw, the way he saw it was he was seeing that these children were being treated as second-hand citizens in the kingdom of God, which in Jesus' eyes is unacceptable. Honestly, I have always really loved this story because I've done a lot of work with kids and I can just picture like, kind of what I think of as the wiggles and giggles like they 
I don't imagine these kids just like solemnly walking up to Jesus single file. It would have been like lots of laughter and maybe like a little race of like, oh, who's going to get to Jesus first? Like I could just picture the excitement that these kids had because, you know, as Jesus was going throughout his ministry, he began to develop a reputation in that region. Mm -hmm. So surely like they've heard about him from their parents and I just feel like it was probably a really exciting day in these kids' lives and to just be like crestfallen of having them be turned away and then have Jesus be like, no, like I want them to be in this space and in this time and sharing this moment with me. Not only that, but to be like, you know, these kids are important and that's something from biblical times that we still focus on today is our youth and pouring into the next generation. Well, and I think you and I have both worked with kids in different capacities. Um, but as I read this and as we talk about it, I definitely agree. One, we all know children. They don't sit still. Um, they have a lot of energy. And truth be told, like they're probably excited over what they're hearing, what they're seeing, the life experiences that they now get to be a part of. Um, and Jesus is basically like, don't hinder their excitement to grow spiritually. And I think that's something we can do as humans, as adults, we tend to dumb things down or slow it down to a pace that we are comfortable with so we don't feel like outcasts. Uh, when what we should be doing is is being just as excited as the kids who are witnessing Jesus. Does that make sense? Well, and I feel like, again, Jesus could have been well within his rights to be like, you know what, I'll talk to maybe the adults, I'll have some dialogue with them, but I'm just not a kid person. But we, like, we never see that like any sort of exclusionary statements jesus isn't is never like oh well i'll only hang out with this select group of people over here like that is one thing that jesus was angry at his own disciples in this moment and it's not the first or last time that we see him upset with what we might think of as like his inner circle like his the people who've really followed him so they know him and they probably could have been like, Jesus, you need a break. And he was like, no, like, this is what I want to do with my time, which totally valid. I get that. And I would definitely agree with this, with what you were saying, where it's just treating people like they don't matter, like, like it's not important, you know. Um, well, we... We see Jesus does have his moments where he goes away from the crowds, where he takes time to just be by himself, but this is not one of those moments. No, not at all. This is the moment where he's like, I'm going to embrace the excitement, the questions that these kids have, again, because he's seeing their faith. The amount of faith that they carry on a day-to-day -day basis and he sees the amount of faith that we carry as adults and he's saying they have more faith um, not because they know more but because they trust more they trust the process they trust their parents and they trust um, 
they trust God. They trust the process. Um, any more on this topic before we jump to number three? Oh, no. I know that you're really excited for this story. Yeah. The cleansing of the temple. Like, ever since we're like, okay, we're going to do a month about anger, Anthony's like, I can't wait till we get to this story. Everybody, everybody knows this story. It's the well-known story where Jesus enters the temple and he sees basically like a, um, a merchant table, right? They're selling stuff. If I remember correctly, they're actually selling like the, the, what you would pay for like a sacrifice. Mm -hmm. But the problem is in, in some understandings of the scripture, they're actually paying more at the table than they would at any other time. Um, but basically this is that moment where you like see Jesus, like leave the crowd. He leaves the temple. He takes a whip and he basically brings this thing back to the synagogue or to the temple. It starts flipping tables over, whipping at the ground. Just, it seems like he's attacking people and he basically, um, basically starts quoting scripture saying, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. Uh, those two verses or those two statements come from Isaiah 56, 7 and Jeremiah 7, 11. Um, now, the problem wasn't that they were like selling things in, in church or in this, you know, in the temple. Um according to this article it actually had a lot to do with um keeping people who were considered outsiders outside of the church so it's keeping people from being able to worship god it wasn't necessarily that they're selling anything it had a lot to do with like hey it's religious people kind of controlling who can come in to the to these areas to worship what are you, what's your thought process on this story in this verse? Well, Jesus had the unique opportunity to realize that, yes, the Jewish nation, the Jewish people were God's chosen, chosen people, but through Christ, God wanted to graft everyone together so that the family of God could expand. And Gentiles were basically anyone who's not of Jewish descent and background. Mm -hmm. Now we can see that Gentiles clearly, like some of them were very interested in the temple and that interest again like it reminds me kind of of when people might be like oh i want to go to a certain cathedral or a catholic church or just like here's an important site of worship that i would like to visit to sort of deepen my faith i feel like that was really what was going on for the people who were like yes i'm going to spend my money, like you said, on these offerings. Mm -hmm. um, 
And again, during this time, like when you're when you were at the temple, you could go and you could pay a certain price, and depending on like, hey, this is the sin that I've committed, they would sort of match animal sacrifices up to, okay, well that might be two doves or that could be a lamb, and so these people were looking to be able to cleanse themselves of their sins. And remember, sin is anything that's going to separate you from God. So the desire of these people's hearts was using this temple system because I acknowledge that I've sinned and I want to become closer to God. Like, allow me to do this so that I can have that. Mm -hmm. And we know that Jesus came... And one of his titles is to be the high priest. So obviously, this is a moment of probably conflict and contention within himself. To see people, it sounds like being overly charged for something, like a system that he was going to come to overturn anyway because he's come to fulfill it. And I, I, I definitely agree with you. I honestly think it, it it's also just one of those things of like it's a sense of crowd control and it's this idea I love the idea that you notice and I mentioned this earlier every time we're seeing Jesus get get angry about something it's because he's seeing injustice in something right in the way we treat kids in the way we treat um, outsiders in the way, like in the way we legalize um, certain behaviors, like oh, we can't do, we can't help the homeless today because we're on Sabbath, right? Like we legalize rituals, we focus on that more than we focus on um, people and helping people and just being light in the darkest areas of their lives. Um, and I love what, what uh, Mark Moore says here. He says, Jesus was angry with the religious establishment, the primary teachers of the law, and his own disciples, all for the same reason. They were keeping uh, vulnerable people away from God. Uh, and then he says, warning, they were all religious people, just like you and me. Like when I read that, that really cut deep because it really gets you to think of like, is there times in my life where I'm unintentionally or intentionally doing this? Does that make sense? I feel like this really just highlights the compassion that Jesus had for these people. Uh, sometimes it is hard for me to picture Jesus being upset because we just, in like Sunday school, you don't always get this multifaceted view. Would you like to explain more about Sassy Pants Jesus? I feel like we promised the okay. listeners last week we would do that. So I don't know where Sassy, Pas Sassy Pants Jesus came from, like where this, this title came from. But it comes from scriptures like this, where it's Jesus outside of the norm of what we expect. Um, 
especially especially in kids ministry like we paint jesus as like a gentle dude who's just laid back who's relaxed who really doesn't raise his voice who doesn't get angry or frustrated he always had the right things to say and he's always gentle but in reality what we see we see all of those things but we also see this layer of like hey i'm gonna tell you what's really going on i'm not gonna hold back truth because it makes you uncomfortable i'm not gonna hold back truth because you don't want to hear it as a people group or an individual and i'm not gonna hold back truth based on your age the reason jesus wanted kids to come to him one because like i said kids have faith sometimes they have more faith than we do because they trust in the process but i think jesus also wants to be able to speak truth to the kids lives understanding that um most of the disciples were young adults or teenagers. Um, so Sassy Pants Jesus really is this <laughs> this image of Jesus where it's him being authentic and saying, hey, I'm not always in a good mood. I'm not always happy-go-lucky Jesus. I'm not always sitting uh, on the grass, you know, like petting a sheep or a lamb. Like, I am an adult. I'm a man who struggles with not struggles with frustration that might be the wrong term but feels these different emotions and expresses them appropriately so let's go to example number four example number four is actually four and five so these are the last two so they are sickness and death way to be super enthusiastic <laughs> I like it so these two um, are lumped together I think it's because in, in life they seem to come together quite often um, but these are uh, um, two um, basically like where you, we don't hear the word anger in, 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 when it comes to these um but we do have examples of it, right? So we have Mark chapter 1, verse 41, um, where Jesus was um, healing a leper. Um, and then number two being death, right? Or the fifth one being death. Jesus stood at a dear friend's grave. Uh, he was deeply moved. And we all know this verse, John 11:33, where the verse literally says, Jesus wept. Uh, like that's the whole verse. Um, basically showing this emotion of like, he's not just sad, but he's like deeply moved. Um, and if I remember correctly, that's where he raises him from the dead. Yes, because that is the story of Lazarus. Yes, Lazarus. So with the leper, again, during this time, when you had leprosy, you had to announce yourself when you were going to be entering an area where other people were to be like, hey, I'm unclean. Like, you need to keep your distance. 
So for Jesus to cross that gap and to physically touch him would have definitely been a taboo moment. Well, especially since at this time, now leprosy was any kind of skin disease, right? It could be, I wonder if it even like included acne. I don't know. But sometimes it was contagious. Sometimes it wasn't. But at that time, they didn't have the medical advances to really know the difference. So, um, basically, you had to like leave the city. You had to announce to everyone that you were unclean. Um, so, Jesus coming in physical contact with this man, uh, one, means Jesus could have gotten sick. Now, we know Jesus being fully God and fully man, he wasn't going to get sick, even if the the gentleman was contagious but it's that that compassion again um, Jesus didn't see him as an outcast Jesus didn't treat him as an outcast he treated him um, like a brother he treated him uh, like he treated him like he cared about him that's the bottom line um, and that that's how Jesus deals with sickness that's how we should deal with sickness treat people like we care now i would not recommend going near people who are contagious you could show them that you care from a distance you can get them food you can you can see that they have the supplies that they need during that time um but it's simply showing people that they care and with lazarus we know that Jesus was close to this family and we also know that Lazarus's sisters were like hey Jesus if you had showed up sooner you could have healed him so obviously they were angry they were upset they were going through a period of grief yeah they were well, and they actually show up in the Gospels multiple times. Uh, it's Mary and Martha. Um, and Jesus likes to teach them lessons. And I don't mean that in like a male-dominant type of thing. But he's just, he's always treating them. Again, it's the idea of treating them as equals and teaching them as equals. Now, for number five, we talk, we're going to be talking about death. Mm-hmm. And you had mentioned, you know, had mentioned bringing Lazarus back to life. Um, is there any more that we need to we need to talk about with that? Well, in the Jewish tradition regarding burial at this time, they they were like, okay, so like maybe the spirit kind of could hang out for like three days, but this was day four, like. Lazarus spirit was gone like he's been in there a while like you do not want to go in there and I've heard someone say that it was important that Jesus said Lazarus wake up or Lazarus come out because if it had just been like wake up slash come out with no stipulation probably that whole graveyard would have been like okay we're good to go that would have been terrifying Hashtag Jesus started the apocalypse. <laughs> oh. um, in this case, the anger is really more felt from the sister's perspective. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think from, from 
Jesus' point of view, it was it was him just being angry over death and and mourning death. Mm-hmm. But I could understand, you know, the sister's point of view of like, hey, we know what you can do. We've seen you raise the dead before or heal the sick. If you had gotten here before he died, you could have healed him. Because at this time, I don't think they'd seen him raise the dead yet. But they had definitely seen him um, heal the sick. So they're looking at it. They're angry from that point of view. He's probably angry because he knew, hey, I know I could heal the sick. But my father has told me to stay back. Uh, probably because the God, the father, wants him to raise the dead and just keep showing, hey, this is what God is capable of. Which I've never thought about that till now. So it's been really interesting to look at Jesus through this very human lens of emotion. And I know we talked last week of like, hey, do you think you can guess what emotions are coming up next? So I let Anthony know that my plan for um, March, which is next month, is that we will do a combination of looking at the emotion of sadness Mm -hmm. and also laughter because kind of the opposite of being sad is being happy. And in the Bible, we really see like, Laughing is sort of the opposite of, hey, I'm mourning and weeping. Mm -hmm. And then for April, our combination of, I don't really want to say like negative emotion, positive emotion. uh, But it's going to be, we're going to look at fear and then also like being courageous. Because the Bible literally says, 365 different times so one for each day of the year do not be afraid so god understands that we as human beings are generally fearful creatures Mm -hmm. so that's what we're doing next month and the month after what are we doing for the last week of february That is an interesting query. You could tell we do a lot of prep for the podcast. <laughs> um, we're still going to be talking about anger. Um, so we've talked about it from our point of view and how our actions um, should not be indicative of, our, of, of anger. We've talked about jealousy. We've talked Now we're talking about Jesus being angry. Is there any form of anger we have not addressed? You know, I I feel like throughout the course of the Bible, there are a lot of characters who just get upset. Sometimes it's like, hey, we lost a battle. Other times it's like, I mean, you, for some strange reason, really love the book of Job. And if there's love anyone in the Bible who's like, I am Who should mad, be angry. It's really Job's wife. Like, she's like, curse God and die. Yeah. Like, that is the epitome of, I am upset because, like, they lost everything. 
And yeah. everything that God takes away from Job, he still leaves him his wife. I'm like, of all the situations where I feel like maybe divorce could be applicable, yeah, it would be that couple. But um, So yeah, we will have to mull it over and see how we're going to wrap up this very interesting month here at the Beautiful Feet Podcast, looking at the emotion of anger. Definitely. Um, and like I said, like we say every week, feel free to share this episode, to like it, subscribe it, get it out there to anyone who needs to hear it. Um, you could follow us at beautifulfeetentertainment.com, Beautiful Feet Entertainment on Instagram and Twitter. Um, we have the Wrestling with Faith podcast, um, so you can follow that on Wrestling with Faith on um, Instagram and Twitter. Um, also, don't forget the book of um, Sanctuary of My Solitude. I am tired, so I'm <laughs> not using my words. Uh, you can get that on Amazon, iUniverse, or just message us directly, and we will send you those links. Um, would you mind praying for us? I would love to pray for us. Oh, dear God, we thank you so much for how multifaceted your word is. We see that not just characters in the Bible, but even Jesus himself struggled and dealt with a wide variety of human emotions. We thank you for the fact that as a part of the Christian church, we can rely on our community to help us navigate the ups and downs of lives, the things where we feel joyful or upset. We pray as always for our brothers and sisters who are in the persecuted church because we know that the decision that they have to devote their life to Christ puts their life in danger, in peril, and sometimes they lose their life for their faith. So we thank you for our brothers and sisters throughout the world who are following Jesus. We thank you for the Christian faith and we thank you for the Word of God and for the Holy Spirit that it would guide and direct us during this, t during this time. We know that you have compassion and love for the people of God and for people who might not even acknowledge that God exists, for people from all walks of life, whether they're young or old, whether they're children or grandparents. We know that God loves and cares for each of us. And it's in Jesus' precious name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys so much for listening. Please feel free to, like I said, get this episode out to anyone who needs to hear it. And we'll be back next week with another episode of the Beautiful Feet Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Beautiful Feet Podcast, a partnership of BeautifulFeetEntertainment.com. Please feel free to follow us on social media at Beautiful Feet Entertainment. Please visit beautifulfeetentertainment.com and do not forget to like, share, and subscribe.